I'm Mark Bassingthwaite, the risk manager here at Alps, and welcome to the latest episode of Alps in Brief, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. You know, over the years, the more I do these podcasts, the more I've come to just enjoy uh, telling stories. I've been telling stories for, for years and years uh, in my writing and in a lot of the uh, silly presentations I, I have done over the years. And I, I just enjoy a good story, and I think it's a great way to learn some things. So um, today is, is another little, what I guess I've come to call a mini-sode, where it's just me sharing, sharing some stories and, and an insight or two from them. What I want to talk about today... Um, for those of you that have listened to some of these podcasts over the years, you know, uh, my wife and I are, are Disney Vacation Club members, Disney people, if you will, and, and have been so blessed to, to be able to travel literally uh, a number of places all over the world with Disney, and it's, it's, it's been a, a special thing for us. Well, we also are cruisers. And we recently returned from a long extended cruise, had the, uh, uh, the, the privilege of being able to spend some time in the Hawaiian Islands uh, and then sailing around the islands for a bit and then crossing the Pacific, uh, sailing from Hawaii up to uh, Vancouver, which will be important here in a moment. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a really interesting trip. And I want to tell you two or three things that happened on this trip that sort of prompted this, uh, this podcast topic. The first, I don't know if, for those of you that know nothing about Disney Cruises, it is, uh, when, at least when it first started, uh, Disney came out with what they call rotational dining. And so they have uh, several, uh, if you will, featured signature restaurants on each ship and, and you uh, have an assigned table and uh, a staff that will move with you throughout the cruise to the different restaurants. And uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. This particular trip, you know, the, the first night you sit down and you meet your staff that's going to take care of you. And uh, it was an interesting experience. We enjoy getting to, to know uh, the staff and oftentimes staff on, on these ships are uh, from multiple countries. I think they were saying this time there are 50 countries represented uh, among the staff. And uh, so, you know, you get to know them. My response to that first evening was uh, not a disappointment, I mean, in terms of what happened, but uh, it, it was a little bit different than uh, what is, is sort of more typical on these cruises. And in short, uh, the gentleman that would be our sort of the lead waiter um, was, was an interesting fellow. And I would just say, I didn't hit it off immediately, you know, we just didn't click. The, the first impression was not a good one. Um, and in part, in what happened over the next two nights, it was more about him wanting everybody that was in his section, I guess is the best way to put it, to know that he was um, struggling financially. Uh, and, and had some problems. Now, I, I don't want to minimize that. They certainly did have some challenging situations, but one does not start a relationship out um, by sharing just how rough life is and, and how hard he's having to work and how difficult and the sacrifice is being made and all that. And, uh, you know, 
of course, over the course of a cruise, you get to know some of the people in the other tables and, you, you know, these cruises aren't completely packed because we're still coming out of the pandemic. So, in other words, just less people and more opportunity to get to know all the people on the, on the ship. And all of us were really feeling like we were um, being played a little bit, sort of working the sympathy card, trying to just get large tips uh, at the end of this cruise. And, uh, you know, it, it just struck me the wrong way, uh, not how to enter a, a, a good relationship. And that was sort of even further confirmed near the end of the cruise. You know, I'm used to having people share, you know, the importance of, of feedback and Disney. I assume they do this on other cruises and things, but, you know, you, you fill out these comment cards. And, and I understand the Disney model, you know, you need to... Uh, I mean, if you really have a bad, bad experience, you should certainly share that. And, and, uh, and I have and, and would do so in a responsible way. But uh, I, I don't want to uh, just, you know, try to make it hard for somebody to earn a living. Uh, but uh, at the very end, we were told this is, in terms of our, this, this gentleman, this waiter, this is my expectation of what you will do so that I can continue on kind of stuff. And I, I gotta say that left a bad taste in my mouth. Now that's, that's one story and it's kind of shortening some things here. Um, the, the second thing that was sort of interesting and got me thinking about this whole again podcast topic, we got to, uh, to Vancouver and uh, you know in the middle, and I'll, I'll readily admit sort of my fault in terms of not thinking everything completely through, just running with an assumption, you know, Disney was very good about telling us, you know, we have to hear all the things we need to do to get on the ship, and here's what we need to do to get into Canada in terms of vaccine status, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there were a ton of us on the ship that were all set to go and just didn't think through the fact that we're on in an international airport and flying into the United States internationally. I mean, you've been in Hawaii, you know, and you got, and you can't get back into the United States via an international flight without a COVID test within 24 hours of boarding the plane. And none of us had this. I should say very few of us on the ship had, had this uh, first off awareness, let alone any kind of arrangements being made. Um, and the odd thing, you know, you can drive across the border, you can walk across the border, you can swim across the border, you can take a bus, a train, everything, you don't need to prove any. But if you're in Vancouver uh, or any other international airport, you know, you, you need to have this COVID test. So a few days before we get there, you know, we're talking to guest services, bringing all this out. And short story is the, the Vancouver airport has uh, more than ample facilities out there to, to handle uh, even a large number of walk-ups. Um, you know, this is what we're being told. And uh, so that's fine. We'll, we'll get uh, get off the ship, and go out to the airport, get tested, and uh, assuming all's good, fly home. And it did turn out all's good, so that, that, that's sort of a side note. But um, going through the process of COVID testing um, and trying to get that set up at the airport was just crazy talk about an exercise in futility I just oh my gosh um, very poorly and, and this is not this and this is sort of you know the airport authority I guess I'm not sure who all setting this up but um, you know it, it, very little explanation as to how this works and lines of people everywhere and they had one gentleman who was really 
charged with trying to help everybody and explain what to do. And he would talk, you know, he's, he's masked up because he still have masks here in, in Canada in public uh, areas, you know, transportation, you know, buses, trains, and all that. But um, so it was a little hard to understand, a little bit of an accent, which, you know, it is what it is, but it, it just made understanding him a little bit more difficult. But he would say, you know, here, take a picture of this QR thing and, and get started. Pick an appointment. Don't worry about the time. It might even be tomorrow, but you're in the system. You pay your bill and you can get in line and we'll get this taken care of. Well, and he would say he'd stand there and say, I'm, I'm going to help. I'm here. But he'd keep moving around and disappear. And people just getting incredibly frustrated. And your, your whole response to this entire setup and system and what's going to happen was being colored by this experience with the first contact. One uh, fellow traveler, um, I just had, you kind of just watch him, God bless him, but it's just, oh my gosh, he was doing everything he could not to lose it. And as, as respectfully as he could, he gets in this guy's face, you know, the guy's trying to help us all, and he just starts yelling. He says, you know, I can't understand you. Your words are muffled. You aren't speaking clearly. And, you know, when you say things to do this, you don't give us the instructions. You're not you're staying here. You're not following through. You say you help us from start to finish and you point at the QR code and disappear and the app isn't working and it wasn't working for a lot of us and he was correct and, and he just ends by saying you need to go back to school and get some good communication training um, your communication skills are horrible you know and I, I, he was right you know what could have been a process of uh, getting people through this whole system easily in, in an hour turned it out turned out to be oh good two and a half hours if not more for some folks uh, it was so messed up a number of people um, actually missed flights out and uh, just it just didn't need to be that way uh, so uh, it's just two sort of stories and what I got to thinking about was first impressions. I've written and, and talked over the years in some various presentations on the importance of first impressions in terms of establishing a relationship. And I, I have typically come at it from the perspective of, you know, is your uh, reception desk clean? Uh, is the, you know, do you have a professional presentation uh, in terms of the space? Is the office tidied up, you know, and, and, and does the website look all nice and pretty, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's physical um, first impressions. And, and I don't want to uh, minimize that. I, I think that is incredibly important um, because it's, it's, if you will, sort of some passive communication. But I want to talk about personal first impressions you know, I can share my first impression with this waiter was not good. And I really was put off by being told what the expectations are, being played for as much money as, as he thought he could get out of me, um, you know, those kinds of things. And it's very, very difficult to recover from that. We really, my wife and I were very intentional after the first night saying, oh, this is ridiculous. But trying to really get to know him, trying to invest, because it's a long cruise, you want to have fun. And, and there were times where it worked. Um, and, and we really did have a good time. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I mean, this guy is who he is, but um, 
did his job well, but there were these times where it just, it wasn't perhaps even authentic. And then you, you get to the, the um, airport situation and the experience, the first impression that you have trying to get into the system, into the process, so you can translate this, into your law office <laughs> and working with you and your staff. You know, if the first impression is really bad, that colored the entire rest of the experience with everybody else you work with. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm glad we got through it. It didn't really ruin or spoil anything for us, but it, it didn't have to be that way. So I, I would encourage you to think about some first impression issues in terms of relationship. Um, so let me, let me share some thoughts and, and kind of perhaps tips, if you will, things that, uh, that I think are worth uh, keeping in mind. When I think about initially trying to um, consider a lawyer, you know, I, I'm obviously going to, in most instances, you know, it's either a referral or perhaps a website, uh, and I'm looking, you know, and I would hope we have that initial contact at least on the web or mobile. Uh, it's very professional looking, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, that's go beyond that and say, now I'm reaching out to the firm uh, to try to set up appointments uh, or that initial consult or whatever it might be. You know, that should be very, very easy on mobile or on a website. But if I call in, I really do expect to talk to someone in person. Uh, I may have some questions or two. I, I just want to get a sense of, of, you know, are they welcoming? Are they, you know, professional? That kind of thing. Voicemail doesn't cut it uh, in my mind. Uh, you know, the these dial one if you you know and here's all the music and on and on and on and yeah you know make it easy for me to communicate with you um and if you're you know true solo and not always available you know sometimes that that can even be accomplished oh just with an answering service you know some type of professional answering service um i just think that's that's very very worthwhile but now that's that's really get to the heart of where I'm trying to go with all this and talk about you. So I'll be the um, perspective coming in. Um, what kinds of things can you do or perhaps not do um, that are going to help establish uh, the beginning relationship in terms of setting the right impression, getting started on the right foot? Because it's going to be a lot harder to uh, correct something if this gets off on the wrong foot, okay? So, some things that I think about, try, try to just be authentic. You know, don't put on airs, don't, you know, I, I, I encourage you, you know, if authentic isn't a lot of time and work from home, etc. you know, a t-shirt and cutoffs and flip-flops, hey, that's fine, but at the office or meeting me downtown or wherever it might be, you know, I, I look a little bit professional, uh, and, but be authentic in the communication. Hey, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mark. And be authentic and sincere when you say that. Um, have a little chit-chat up front. You know, we don't need to immediately get to, why are you here? Um, outside of, you know, the cold calls, hey, do you do divorce or something? You know, that, that, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we're past that. 
Uh, but, you know, have a little chit-chat. And it can be as simple as, you know, how's the weather? Or, you know, what's, hey, Dave, did you see that ball game last night? Uh, but something to get some casual conversation going, to allow the opportunity for a relationship to build, uh, to just get established. Um, I, 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 I want to know that I'm working with a person that's, again, genuine, real, authentic, Okay, so some things to think about, but also understand at the same time, and I can appreciate this might be a little bit difficult, but you never know. I think most people are going to have some questions or concerns about, I wonder what this is going to cost. And, and you know, there's this, and, and we have to have that conversation. I mean, I, I really believe good lawyers have conversations about money up front and, and thorough and good conversations about money. But you might allow that conversation to be dictated or driven by the client. You know, so something you could say early on is, you're probably, uh, excuse me, you're probably wondering, you know, what, what this will cost. Uh, would you like to talk about that now? Would you like to talk about that uh, at the end? Um, I'm going to need a little information here, but you know, and, and, and you know, try to get a sense so you don't have somebody sitting, uh, visiting with you for half an hour, 45 minutes, wondering, but can I even afford? Is this worth my time? You know, it help. You can find ways to help them feel at ease about that money conversation by letting know you're thinking about it, letting know we'll have it, and they can dictate a little bit about when they'd like to have that conversation. Uh, but I, again, I would not jump there until you chat them up for a little bit. Make connection. We need to begin to build a relationship. So, um, okay, one of the other things uh, I wanted to talk about as continuing with this, um, in, in the context of a, um, this initial consultation, this initial meeting, is what other types of communication things can you do to help um, get this started on the right foot? Um, so in the context of the conversation, please don't multitask. I mean, how many times? I, I, it drives me crazy and I'll just never understand it. You know, I, I've watched time and again, and in one situation that so struck me, I watched four couples come into a restaurant, a very nice restaurant, that I happened to be uh, dining with a friend at, uh, we're at Traffic on Business, actually. And uh, these four couples sat down, and it was every other, you know, guy, girl, guy, girl, guy, girl, all the way around the table. All four guys are on their phone the entire evening, not talking, just sitting, drinking their beer, occasional something. And the women are all chatty, but clearly not really happy about all these guys just sitting here on their phone. I mean, how can you have a relationship, a conversation? The messages you're giving, you know, give the attention to this prospective client. They are considering retaining you. They are considering turning over their legal concern to your trusted hands. Um, so allow them to build that trust, okay? Uh, so don't multitask, no texting, no thinking about other matters, no working through your email, okay? Don't uh, pontificate on things, you know, the, the initial time is really to sit and try to learn as much as you can about 
whatever the situation is. So you, I mean, the goal here is, can I help you? Is in terms of what this is, what you're thinking. How do I best help you? How do I best serve you? What, what all can I do? You know, this isn't a time to just pontificate on all sorts of things. It's time to get to learn who they are. Use open ad open-ended questions you know can you can you tell me more about this don't assume you know what they want um, you know they may be thinking about a divorce or something but maybe divorce isn't really what should happen in this situation and there's some other things you could assist them with or direct them toward I, I don't know uh, but I, I running with assumptions is dangerous find out what the problem is ask questions sort of go with the flow and see where it takes you uh, if you don't know something, you know, honestly, say no. I'd rather know that somebody doesn't have an answer. Hey, I don't know, but I could look it up. I don't know, but I've, I could make a referral here. You know, whatever the situation calls for. But, but if you don't know something, say so. And again, in my mind, honesty instills trust. And faking it fosters doubt. I mean, that seems clear to me. That's just a normal response. Uh, so uh, try to stay out of the weeds, you know, in these early meetings in particular. If, if somebody is, um, you know, sharing some things, don't get into all the nitty-gritty of the legal stuff. Now's not the time. We're still relationship building, okay? And learn to listen. Truly listen. I remember, uh, you know, Stephen Covey is known for saying, most of us don't listen with the intent to understand. Most of us listen with the intent to reply. And I'll be the first to admit a little honesty here, folks. I am really good at listening with the intent to reply. I think I do, I struggle with that problem day in and day out. You can just ask my wife, she'll, she'll say, amen, hallelujah. Um, so. But, you know, there are times when I really do try and focus and listen to her and really listen. But I have to remind myself, I have to be very intentional about it. She is not asking for my advice here. She's just wanting to talk and wanting to share and perhaps work through something. I will listen. And when you really start to listen, then you can ask the questions to draw out and you get a much, much better understanding, not only of the issues, but of the person that you're interacting with, you really get to know someone. My wife is so skilled at this, it's amazing. No matter where we are and what community, she knows everybody. And you know, for many years in her practice, people would walk in and she hasn't seen you know one of these patients for a year. And she'll say, Well, how's your nephew? Wasn't your nephew going off to college? Or how's how's your granddaughter? And how you know, doctor, how do you remember all this? And she just does. She is very, very good at that because she listens more than, better than most people I've ever met in my life. Um, so it's a skill and she practices it and been practicing it for years, but I encourage you to do that. You know, um, just approach it from, I am trying to create an attorney-client relationship here that can be as effective and as positive as I can moving forward. I mean, that's the mindset I would try to enter these situations in. And the better we are at doing that from the get-go, 
from the very first contact, you know, setting that right impression, I think the better, more effective you will be, honestly, as, an, as a lawyer. Um, because we have a very, very good relationship established at the outset. And again, this, if I enter into a good relationship with you, my impression with you is positive from, from the get-go. We really get to a point where it's much easier for me to trust you. It's much easier for me to uh, share things. Um, and we, I see this as honestly long-term, even risk reduction, um, you know, because you're going to have a client, I, I think in most situations, you're going to establish a relationship with a client that will be a positive one, even if negative things happen, if the outcome isn't necessarily what I expect. But if the relationship is positive, I don't walk away from that going, well, man, I didn't see that coming. This guy's a complete idiot, you know, and I no, things happen and I can hear and understand. Well, you know, sometimes a jury sees it a little bit differently. You know, I, I don't know how all these things could play, but you, you get the point. So, okay, I've, I've rambled on here long enough. Um, I hope you found something of value with uh, these little stories and, and a few thoughts on first impressions. And I look forward to visiting with you next time here on Alps in Brief. Hey, that's it. Have a good one, folks. Bye-bye.